welcome back to the we weren't actually recording when we should have been why hockey podcast i'm sorry we didn't do a podcast hey, before we were kind of mad it happens sometimes like the panthers were just a, a little off at the start already ah, always off at the start um boy i there was a part of me that legitimately thought this was going to be the end on uh, monday and when they when it became clear they were going to start spencer and I, i'm like all right they're just throwing stuff at the wall at this point. Who cares? They got pretty well beat up well, on, on Saturday. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a positive throw stuff at the wall though. Yes, and and from somebody who necessarily didn't want Spencer Knight to even sign a contract to also saying starting Spencer Knight was the right decision before the game because there really wasn't any choice left no, at that moment. Have, they didn't have any other choice. Yeah, and it could, it could have. I mean, if that was Montembeau as a third goalie, I would have been saying it's probably time to play Montembeau, you know, give Montembeau, you know, the fact that it was Spencer Knight made it a no brainer. Uh, if it was any other goalie, it would have been probably just a good call. But yeah, I mean, and we'll, we'll get to his performance in a second because can can we just start off with the palpitations 53 seconds in, I mean, when I saw when, that happen, handles back in the lineup, and you're like, okay, they're starting night. They they might have a chance to get some confidence, build some energy here. Oh, and Yandel. You remember in. one of the goals in Game Four where the exact same thing happened? Defenseman pinches up the wall. Brandon Montour comes to meet it, and he leaves a guy wide open in front of the net. Yeah. Or it you was can like, do good. I was like, it's Groundhog Day. Game. It's Groundhog Day. Yeah. I saw the same thing happen again, and I at that point I'm like, good lord, this is going to be embarrassing, and. Somehow they survived the first period out of that. And some of that was Spencer Knight just... I'm going to make my point about Spencer Knight here that I made on Twitter. And this is no insult to Spencer Knight, who I have not talked to, but I'm assuming is an incredibly smart guy. He has to be. You have to be very smart to be a top-level goalie in the league. He was too dumb to know any better last night. And by that, I mean he does not have the scar tissue of Panthers' horrific defensive breakdowns past that clearly Sergei Bobrovsky has, so a lot of what I think is happening with him is mental, and Chris Drieger also has, because he's been behind it too. Yeah. So Spencer and Dre- doesn't have and, any of that. And, and, so- it's been pointed, and it's been pointed out by a few people who, when I talk about Drieger, is Drieger is coming back from what is believed to be a groin injury, and uh, he might not have confidence in his groin side to side and his push-offs and things like that I could well. definitely buy that. I mean, I there's, there's, there that. could be a, like, but... I think what is obvious is whether it's Q go flipping flopping with the goalies and never picking a guy to build confidence in, so no goalie was really hot. They were all kind of warming uh, as the season ended and in the season and as the series started. Um, but I, I think maybe naive is better for for Knight. I mean, Knight has some trauma. If you look at his first World Junior. Uh, appearance it didn't go as planned if you look at his you know his first BC year they didn't have playoffs because of coronavirus he did have a playoffs this year and in the two games BC and himself they didn't finish the conference game strong they let up a three goal lead or something in the four, in the third period and ended up losing uh, they the had Oilers of them yeah they had a um, uh, a game Michigan couldn't play because of coronavirus, or I forget what the team was. I think it was maybe Michigan. So they got a they got a pass, and then uh, they ended up losing their their first game. They did play against the eventual champions, UMass, I believe. Uh, I, I'm I'm not 100 percent on that, but uh, you know, and that was another game where he was just not saving things that he normally would, and wasn't as sharp as he normally would uh, would be. And th- that was his only two playoff games, and in uh in college so i mean you're really looking at his playoff records you know internationally and for the u.s team and the ushl uh to to really gauge how he's going to play in this game and that was a risky call uh you know under a lot under normal circumstances but given the other two goalies basically being brain mush you know when it comes to confidence uh Spencer Knight's probably feeling a lot of confidence if you're, you know, he's breaking in new pads, he's stopping NHL shots in practice, he's having a lot of fun and shows. Uh, so, you know, why wouldn't you play him at that let point? Me, let me break the correction. You're just here. trying to save the series. If you're just thinking about saving the series, why wouldn't you play him? Yeah, let's make the corrections here. Boston College was supposed to play against Notre Dame, who also had a COVID outbreak, and then lost Very. to St. Cloud State. 
who lost in the final. So close Very. enough. I don't, I don't remember the Frozen Four. That happened five years ago, all things considered. Uh, I would have pointed better, better to be correct in, in retrospect than. Listen, we're going to be wrong. We were wrong. I was wrong about Spencer Knight, too, because I was leaning towards agreeing with you. Yeah, and I mean, I was I'm not technically wrong in saying that, you know, it's not that I wouldn't have played Spencer Knight and everything. I, I just think it was more like the I don't want to see Spencer Knight this season kind of thing. Well, it's more just like if I was in hockey ops for the Panthers and they were talking about starting Spencer Knight and signing the contract, I would bring up my – I would bring up the – I would agree with everybody's positives and be like, yeah, absolutely. He is one of the best goalies I've seen as a prospect and blah, blah, blah. He is mature and blah, blah, blah. He is all that stuff. And then I would just say, you know, the other stuff I'd be weary of and, and how it's not a necessity and other things. And But, you know, kind of as the season goes on, and I kind of tweeted this, when you go down the stretch playing three goalies, you kind of force your hand into using all three goalies in, in the playoff. Um you know, you, you put thoughts in your head. You put goalies that are starting to build confidence back in a rotation where they're now third in line, not even second in line a lot of times. And, um, you know, it is it is what it is. I, I think goal, goalies, that's the end of the goalie discussion. Now, you know, I, I brought up my, my hey, process, these are process-oriented thoughts about this now that he's here playing it's just all right let's get him a defense for next year because it is likely he's going to play a lot of nhl games even if he does play even if he should play some ahl at times to make sure he gets enough ice time um and things like that use that two-way contract um and the fact I, that they will have an ahl yeah, team but, next year but now it's about okay if he's going he's going to be playing he's a he's a good goalie we don't want the same thing to no, happen we don't want to him. him. Even if he comes out okay, we don't want to have to go th- him to go through what Carey Price went through early on, what Matt went through early on, what Carter Hart is going through now. Like obviously, there's you can't protect him and keep him in a bubble, but you want to not have the issue being, all right, he's just overextending himself, trying to do so much because there's no defense, yeah. and that's a that's a current issue that Florida has, and he stemmed it for one game but if we're talking about in the next season and and continuing to compete and everything it's we got to get a defense so he has a chance to be spencer knight yes exactly and my point was we're all on board like you know no one doesn't want this to work out so now it's just let's all make this work yeah, let me let me bring up let me bring up one point that I find really interesting here. Uh, Brian Boucher was in the first period, was talking about how the Panthers goalies had not yet made that big save in the series, which Vasilevsky had done. And I added to it, and I know you agree with this, the Panthers didn't give their goalies an opportunity to make a big save because on all of these goals that were given up, you know, game four, game three, we know that these are catastrophic defensive breakdowns and. In some cases, your goal is going to make the save because of luck. You know, it's puck luck. And that's kind of what happened in Game 5. But a lot of it stems from the bad defensive things that we saw and we have seen throughout these last couple of years. Let's be fair. It's been a lot better in the regular season, it certainly was. In this postseason, Tampa is full strength and they're going full bore. And they've exploited it, as you would expect the Tampa Bay Lightning to do. And it is bold and a little psychotic that the Panthers are still playing the same way in the playoffs, even though they know what's going to happen, and it's happened anyway. And I give them credit, because, you know, if you're going to go down, go down swinging. And I, I, I admire that a little bit. It is silly. It's like, it's like that whole great Twitter account when playing out from the back goes wrong, and that's kind of what the Panthers' defense is at, at times. But when we talk about the way that this defense is going to need to improve in the future, you're 100% right, because Sergei Bobrovsky is in his own head because the defense in front of him is trash. That happened last year. It's happened this year. It certainly happened in the playoffs. He's a much better goalie than what we've seen, and a lot of it is because he doesn't trust what's in front of him. And why would you when you see the Yandel not getting tight to his man on the boards, Brandon Montour has to come over, fly in, make a hit, and Ross Colton's all alone. Like, when you see that goal happen hundreds of times over, I mean, I'm exaggerating, but a lot, that is a huge confidence killer for goaltenders because they know they got no chance in that, right? 
And Spencer Knight, and when I meant that he was naive, he doesn't have that scar tissue. He certainly played like it because the first period, you know, while they gave up five goals in the second period of game three and while they had some bad periods in game four, that was their worst period of the series. They were terrible defensively. Tampa had like 22 shots and almost all of them were high quality. And somehow they got out of it. And that's the platform with which they were able to build out their adjustments after that first period were really good. And they played much better in the second two periods and they fixed some of Wait. those issues. I don't. But, I don't think. I don't think Tampa's first period last game was their most dangerous of the series. I think it. It, it felt it because like uh, no, maybe I, it's the sense no. of impending doom I mean, after the. the maybe the first just because Knight was there and everything, but like they not that the Lightning didn't get good chances and didn't create offense and everything, but I mean, uh, there they had a lot of periods where they were toying with Florida and it didn't really look like Florida was even a playoff teams at times. And the goalie was all over the place trying to do something to make the big save. Cause that's what he was being called to do. And he just couldn't do it, whether that was Dreger or, or, or Bob. And so, I mean, I, I thought Tampa was just standard Tampa. They weren't, I, I mean, they weren't bad or anything, but I wasn't, it, they didn't have as many cross-seam power plays. Play, they had one power the play one where they had two minutes of zone time. Yeah, I mean, it that makes a big difference. I mean, when was the last time you could you remember a breakaway last night? When was I the mean, last? I do time remember you, some two-on-ones that happened, some defensive yeah, breakdowns okay, in the first period. There, there's, there's hardly been a game where Florida hasn't given up a breakaway or multiple breakaways that I can remember. Maybe that's just my eye test bias that you want to call it or whatever. But I mean, from my perspective, the, there just wasn't as many, like Tampa got chances in tight, but the chances they got in tight weren't off of a turnover, which was a quick counterattack, or weren't off of, you know, a guy being completely empty and alone in the slot they were at least covered and the guy was attempting to lift his stick and put a body on him and things like that so which is good that's what you want to see it was a without that yandel play like if yandel sits like he should have it's a team shutout yesterday where knight gets a shutout and you know he definitely earned it and carried the team at times but then the team also stepped up and, and played a great game for him. Certainly and in the second that's two exactly periods. Those were probably two of their best periods of the series, yeah. just the way they played for each other. They Absolutely. were much better defensively. And it reminded me, I texted you after the second, I'm like, why couldn't they have done that more? Like, I know it's impossible to do it against Tampa all the time, but, you know, you're just you're wondering in some of those bad periods where you're like, they could have done this. I, I mean, knew it, they had it in them. A part of it, like the goalie thing, is mental. You have to mentally be ready and mentally committed to always taking the body on the forecheck, always skating through the puck, and you know, always being underneath the puck in a supporting role, always skating all the way back on the back check and the and getting down low in the breakouts to help out. Always, you know, every time. I mean, that's something that it's a mentality that is easier to adopt after you've been there a while and that's kind of leads to a lot of the mythology of you know experience and stuff but that i think that's kind of boiled down a part where it is true that it's a little more second nature um, and you can see tampa they don't make those kinds of mistakes very often in these games because they have a ton of playoff experience yeah, but it's I second mean, nature to them last night what did tampa do that they haven't necessarily done, I thought was they were willing to, even though Florida wasn't taking the bait, they were willing to continue to throw the game away, trying to, you know, intimidate, trying to goon it up and do things like that and chase around and play after the whistle and do the mind games and things like that. I thought Florida did a really good job of not engaging. I was surprised that Tampa didn't, as the more experienced team, didn't catch up early on that and, you know, start. Well, I think a lot of it had to do with game four and what John Cooper said, which was obviously very disingenuous and don't believe anything he says in a press conference because it's all narrative for him. Um, And yeah, that was my thought about game four. I mean, it was, 
that my thought about game four was basically yelling and screaming about how as media we have to not take the bait in these press conferences because John Cooper's clearly coming out with a narrative and Sam Bennett predatory hit in game one it was the same thing he wants to set the narrative and the tone and he did in many regards and then the lightning tried to get the Panthers into doing that again and Florida was like nah man we're not doing that we already saw what you did once. We're not doing it again. Yeah. And it, and then and then Pat Maroon comes out and gets fined for cross-checking Nolachar in the face in a face-off with 15 I seconds think, left. I think they should have fined Cooper as well. And they find they know, also find McDonough for a bad cross-check, which should have happened in game one. I, I, I mean, fines are like coincidentals. They're not going to send the message. No, they didn't, but I found it really you know, amusing that that happened after uh, Game 5, after the John Cooper comments. Yeah. Which, and the, this, is, this is something that happens in every series. Every series, every team is complaining about their star player not having room and cross-checks, and you know they chip the puck in, and they're trying to go down the boards, and they're getting squeezed off and things like that. And, uh, you know, I'm... The things I'm not okay with are a lot of like calling the coincidentals after when like Savard just t- tackles Barkov or you know McDonough's just pinning Barkov against the boards for like eight seconds and they they call nothing or when Barkov like pushes back and it gets into a little squirmish they call both of them yeah and, like to me that's not helpful and that's what I want to get out of like I think you know the jousts in front of the net and some of that kind of stuff. I don't mind that. I don't need to always see that called. I don't always need to see power plays out of it. I'm not saying we need to even up the power plays, but I don't want, you know, unless like we talked about there, there are some things that have to be called penalties and everything. But when you just keep calling coincidentals and coincidentals and coincidentals, and it breaks out into fights and everything, that's when you're calling a lot of penalties. That's when, and like, the, and then that's when the boardings happen, and then there's five minute power plays and things like that. So you don't want it to bubble up and get out of hand. So it I, all I thought of multiple times early power in, this, in this period, in this period in this series, the referees totally yeah. lost control of the game. Yeah, game and, game four they absolutely lost control, and game one they did a little bit too. It's also not the reason why Florida lost. And No, Game 4 was all time. defensive breakdowns, and it was all losing their mind after those defensive breakdowns and also getting really frustrated because the puck wasn't going and they had terrible puck luck too. I mean, I think Money Puck said they had like we seven have, expected yeah. goals, which seemed wrong to me. But puck luck is not not what the Flo- – Florida, Florida put a lot of good quality scoring chances uh, into soft areas of the net uh, or didn't put them into the soft areas of the net where it's harder for goalies to reach. Um, they were kind of looking at, I always say that they're looking at the goalie and not looking at the open net. And uh, they kind of had fell into that mentality. A lot of the times that kind of happens when they just try that volume, just get it on that, just keep shooting and it doesn't go in. Um, and I think, you know, some players that are doing well, like Tippett. I, I wanted to mention Owen Tippett because I think, I mean, he's got one goal, but I think he's played really, really well in this series. He reads and, rookies in goals, I mean, in points. I mean, he's so. doing everything you could ask of him to do, and that, that makes us so happy because you were wondering where's the development of some of these players, and he's playing like the player we thought he could be, and that's hugely exciting. Um, yeah, really, the like, only what, four, really what, the only yeah. forward I've been disappointed in is Vitrano. He's the only one who's been really kind of quiet. Everybody else has had their moments in this series. What, what one of the things Tippett does and what Florida needs to start doing instead of just throwing things at the net is getting more pre-movement on the shot. You know, whether that's bringing, you know, a toe drag to bring the puck from outside into your body to change the angle of the shot and take the shot or pushing it from inside to the out or backhand or forehand or, or forehand to the backhand backhands are pretty hard for goalies to read um, we saw that especially when Dreger and Bob were giving up goals Tampa started throwing a lot of backhand shots on that and that's pretty purposeful um, tip is really good with that pre-movement on the shots whether it's in stride or just you know with his hands real quick before taking the shot so the whatever the goalies lined up with on the puck you know a goalie sets his angle not where the player is standing or you know skating to or from, but where the puck is. So they 
they try to get square onto that puck. And even just, you know, a cradle with, you know, a lot of Florida people, Florida players have long arms. They're lanky. That reach, you know, just even pulling halfway or a quarter of that reach and taking a quick snapshot changes the angle on the goalie enough where it's hard for them to control rebounds the way they want. And if you're crashing the net and things like that, you know, then that volume mentality can can work. Uh, and you started to see Florida over the course of the season starting adapting that more and more. And it helps when guys like Tippett and Denisenko play. Yeah. I mean, uh, Tippett has been, I, I, I think, just it's been truly great to see, like, 11 forwards out of 12 having pretty good series. You know, even Lomberg, yeah. obviously. And, like, yeah. I, I also wanted to make the point to – um. With Barkov, because I, I don't think he's a hundred. I don't think he's as hurt as I think we probably feared after Game Three. But I don't think he's a hundred percent right. But even then, last night he was doing his stuff, and it was great fun to watch. Um, Huberto's obviously been just dominant in this series, just just insanely good. Bennett's been where he needs to be at all times. He's really he's fit in well. I think you know we. I wanted to see Anthony Duclair more on the top line, obviously, but Duclair is using his speed in the right areas. He's drawing penalties. It's the perfect way to use speed. Uh, as I said, the performance of the forwards has been really, really top-notch. And I think that, that goes to absolutely everybody. And it shows you, again, you've got like 16 forwards. Like, you, you want to play in the playoffs, and the Panthers forwards have been so good that you oh. can't really change any of them. And uh, I, think that's... I mean, I think you can change them. I understand why Q doesn't. There's, I mean... I, I am Listen, I'd rather, I'd rather somebody like Lamico or, or Denisenko obviously play instead of Lomberg. I understand why Lomberg's well, playing. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, I don't, he doesn't have to play all the time. And there's some reasons, you know, they had a chance to get Denisenko in and see how that would have worked for free with Bennett out and he didn't take it. Uh, I yeah, mean, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty hard on Quinville just because I expect Quinville, besides Barkov, to be the only other perfect person in the organization right now. Um, cause that's what they need to do well. Uh, so I, you know, like Quinville not being a hundred percent, you know, the injury I think is preventing Barkov from at least being a hundred percent defensively. He's made a few defensive gaffes and uh, at least one of them that I remember has cost the goal against. And yeah, you know, no, that's, that's, definitely that's true. not Barkov. Like that is a hundred percent not Barkov. Uh, so you know, and you can't. Obviously, you're not going to yell at him because that's like the first time I've ever really seen like him being responsible for a goal against, or so, or maybe the second time or whatever. Uh, you know, it's very rare, but you know that's something that he need that needs to improve for the team to win in Game Six. You know, they they can't keep getting away with you know, their best players not being the best in their strength areas because you have to be filing, file, firing on all cylinders. Uh, and that means playing to your strengths and, you know, those best players being the best players. Absolutely. Um, in terms of just the, the def- I mean, I really hope they scratch Anil in game six. It was not yeah. necessary. If you're not even going to play him on the power play, and, and I, I, we have to talk about five forwards briefly, I uh, just want to finish the Andal point. If you're not going to even play him on the power play, then don't play him. He's useless exactly. at five on five. Exactly. And that's the, and that's why I thought playing him was play silly. Five five. Play, I mean, play, play Kierstead at this point. If you don't want to play Nudivara, play Kierstead. You I just, think I would rather play – I mean, Nudivara at least, like – Other than the fact that he's been responsible for a number of goals against because he couldn't take the man and prevent that stick from being that's reached. That's exactly what's going to happen with the Andal and Kierstead, though. It's, I mean, that's exactly what happened in the regular season for them. And I don't know point. why it would be different. I mean, like, so you're basically saying who's the defender that you think offers the most still despite those flaws? Uh, I mean, because Montour has the same flaws. They're playing him because they traded for him, and he's a real go-go-go, and he, he's a positive guy. And you can tell he's like, I don't want to call him Lomberg. But he's kind of a Lombard type where right now he's helping the team. just oh, by it's being all energy. Him. I mean, like, the dude and somehow hasn't scored in the series, and it makes no sense. But he's as he's been as responsible for goals as Nudavara. Oh, he's been really so, bad defensively. I mean, let's not he, make any bones like about that. 
and he's not been better offensively. I think he's been equal offensively as Nudavara has been. Um, but, you know, there's some of that, you know, they paid a third round for him more recently than what they, than the offseason move of, you know, I think they paid a second for Nudavara. No, they didn't pay anything for Nudavara, which oh, is yeah. an NHL body. Oh, really? Who yeah, did they? Who? You remember that? <laughs> I mean, I know it's hard to remember that because that happened a million years ago, but. I mean, I, I agree, I agree with you 100%. Like, the, the, and that's the thing. And that's where they need to improve in the offseason is getting that different type of defenseman, that top four. It is the well, number one priority this offseason is to get well, just, that guy. It's the defenseman that maybe he doesn't do the offensive stuff as good, but he's capable of doing it enough. But he's, you know, and he plays that way. He can play with that style and system and those players. But, like his main focus and he's really just focused and like likes enjoys doing tying up sticks in front of the net without taking penalties defending yep. two on one without sliding all around and making it a lot harder or for committing and goalies yeah i mean like there there are there are some names and we'll get to it at some point in the off season but they will be there will be players out there that they can go and, get and i i said it at the start of the season that this is the kind of player that they need to acquire and i think they're going to go do it but i think and it's not florida has some people in the system that i think can grow into those roles they you know ludwig hopefully kalichanak hopefully uh, hopefully the person they draft in the first round this year yeah um, well it'd be nice they could draft 24 and we and we you won't know, have to yell I and think, scream about this i think you know forsling is can be better at that. I think Montour can be a lot better at that. I think Nudavara can be a lot better at that. And it's just, are they going to do what Uyghur did to get better at it? Because he was willing to do this stuff and and focus on that kind of things. Because he was, you know, he knew that that's how he was going to keep his minutes in the NHL. And I think that's what where all the defenders are right now. If you want to keep your minutes in the NHL, you need to find a way to do this stuff without taking away too much from the other parts of your game. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they'll find somebody else to do it. And, you know, that's a good challenge. And I, and I think there are, like I said, the D that are playing right now and Noah Juleson, if, if he's healthy, obviously Aaron Eckblad, if he's healthy, you know, isn't, does that already. But they they do have bodies and, and the D to make it happen. Well, I think the it best thing that came that out of this season, the, the best thing that came out of this season was the competition at all times, like actual legitimate. Here's competition. It is not the same competition we've seen where it's just a bunch of interchangeable spare parts that do nothing. It's actual legitimate competition to get minutes, you know. And speaking we saw to, that this year. Speaking and, of that, I think Yandel coming out of the lineup helped to that. I think. Spencer Knight going into the lineup helped to that, uh, into that um, th- that feeling of you know again, boys, this is it's no sacred cows. Um, Everybody's got to be, and I said it with the Wild. It was really interesting because they scratched Zach Parise and then he scored. So it's like that's what good teams do. We will make tough decisions. We have to make tough decisions when we get to the postseason. Speaking of no. Well, yeah, but it's like that's what the best evolution of the Panthers was this year, and whatever happens in the rest of the series or the playoffs, that's the evolution that has happened, and I think it's really, really good. And Bill Zito and Joel Quenville, for their faults, always were looking to say, how can we improve competition? How can we make everybody better by real competition? You know what I mean? And that's happened every, it's happened in every facet of the team this season at times. And that, to me, has been a good sign. And that, that will serve them really well in the future because it's going to make everybody around them better because now Owen Tippett had those scratches early in the season. We didn't like that, but it's clear that well, it worked. No, because now I don't want to go that far. I mean, I don't want to romanticize that. I mean, well, in times it worked. Like, you know, I don't want, like, they still made mistakes with a lot of things. And who's to say that they wouldn't be a lot better for it if Denisenko, who again finished the season with a five game point streak, wasn't up playing and training on NHL competition all year. So when it comes to the playoffs, the excuse is, well, we don't know if he could handle playoff competition. Blah, okay, blah, blah. fair enough. You know, like, he wasn't even playing AHL that much because, again, they'd. You know, it's yeah. So they didn't have an AHL affiliate. You know, just because they 
they messed up the four games of goalie decisions or, you know, as Boucher, who's much smarter than me, would say, you know, the Quinville's real mistake was going the Dredger so quickly. And, you know, after that, he didn't really make a – he didn't really correct the decision until night. And I think that's probably the best reading of the situation. I 100% agree with that. I'll just trust Boosh on the, that. But, um, you know, there that doesn't mean that just because night worked out that everything that happened before it led to this or mattered and built towards this. And I think you have to apply the same thing to Owen Tippett and stuff. Like, you know, he could have been playing more. He could be playing, you know, be, you know, have – three or four more goals be on the power play have that power play taken too like the first power play if he had 800 more minutes in the nhl i can definitely i can definitely buy that quickly before we just go on to some other playoff thoughts briefly we don't want to go on to too long uh five forwards power play they did it at the start of the third period in game three and it worked and it's just again it's the throwing stuff at the wall see what sticks and it's worked it's looked really good here's what i love about it um, not only is it, you know, skill first and all that stuff, it puts Barkov as the QB where he's finally getting the puck touches he needs to on the power play. And in my head, I'm thinking in the future when Ekblad's healthy, you reverse that umbrella, Barkov's behind the net like he was on that pass to Marchment. And think about that two minutes, or at least, you know, that first minute 15 where power play one's on the ice. You're running that power play, power play like Gretzky from the office behind the net. Goalies are deep in their stance. Defensemen are facing the wrong way. Looking back at Barkov means the players that they're guarding are out of sight behind them. Barkov's the passer. You can do a lot of damage. I think and, it's really cre- – I think it's kind of creative. And the way so they hope- use those guys on the power play with, with, with the five forwards has been, has been really cool. So, I yeah. mean, I, I actually I have liked it. Natural, and... I hope it's a natural evolution because, you know, you, you don't want to do that now with five forwards. They don't have the D to put back there to do it. Uh, maybe Uyghur would kind of work right now for it. But, you know, I think right now what they're doing is perfect for the playoffs. And, you know, hopefully by maybe the end of next year, they start doing some reverse umbrella stuff in the regular season. I think they but, could because, it, 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 again, it, it shows that there is a creativity in the I'm, coaching staff to do things like this. I'm only, you know, this is not my idea. This is something that I've seen a lot of European teams do. This is something that Corey Schneider, the, uh, you know, a lot of the trackers, I've, I don't want to miss, I've been terrible remembering uh, who to give credit to and what happened. I mean, this there's time. so many. and So I don't want to, you know, but who, you know, for everybody who's, pumped the reverse umbrella power play or behind the net uh power play um you know they've been doing it since like 2014 2015 and it's a shock that no one's really tried it yet like for well, i've seen i mean you that, can see some teams but some teams like tampa they don't need to they're just going to move the puck better than you and they're going to yeah. get their guys in their spot carolina does that too in many ways you know, it's it's we're just going to outpass you and outflank you, and then there's going to be a glorious Royal Road shot, and then you can't stop. And that's how the Lightning have scored in their power plays in this series. Um, so game six will be interesting. I have no idea what's going to happen. I thought they played obviously really really well in the second two periods. Yeah. They won. Crowd was great. That was it. I mean, it just it it felt like you know you're watching. Like I thought at points like that crowd was going to will the puck into the net at some point. Like they were amped. That was a great atmosphere was- for a game. Here's what I'm going to say, and this is not a shot at Florida or anything, but during the regular season, they have to figure out a way to make that number of fans that show up some games, get them down in the lower bowl, get them closer to the action, get them louder uh, for the for the team, because it's that going to result in... For, that is a test for Matt Caldwell and company. Yeah, because, because I think it that, makes a you, difference. Because you, you know, you, we, we've talked about it before. We've both been to plenty of games in that building. It's a great place to watch a game. And when it's full, it's totally one of the best arenas to watch. People and, don't see that because it's never full, and there's reasons for that. But yeah, when you but go and you watch the, that game... 
they can get to 13, 14,000 a lot during the regular season. And if they strategically do it, it can feel like 18, 19, 20. Oh, it felt like 20,000 in there last yeah, night. Yeah. So, if, you know, this proves that there's a, a good positive and, and, you know, hopefully. Like I said, Florida can evolve that somehow in the uh, summer. It's a test for Matt Caldwell. Find a way to be creative with where you sell your tickets and how you boost that atmosphere in that building for a Tuesday night game against yeah. Ottawa in November. Because when you do that, it, then you get 20000 in the building in the playoffs. And put the, Can you put the cameras on the other side so they're not <laughs> the looking at The reverse angle of the – I guess so. I because guess those are that. the only seats that they won't be able to price down and all that stuff, you know? Yeah, they all the that- Club Red, whatever the hell it is. Um, Just a couple of other brief points on the playoffs. Club sponsor, whatever. Yeah, it used to be called Club Red or something. I can't remember what it was called. Um, But let's go quickly, other playoff things. Oh, my God, the Edmonton Oilers. Called it. I mean, mean, not in four games. I mean, I thought they were going to win. Obviously, nobody thought they were going to get swept. But, I mean, I would have waked one point. We were talking about it before the show. Uh, Connor McDavid... We're seeing talks about the Iserman talk, which is garbage. That's a different era of the league. Uh, the, the the Connor McDavid issue, and it's not Connor McDavid's fault. It's never right. going to be Connor McDavid's fault. He is the best player in the world in many regards, and there's only so much he can do because it's hockey. The the gravity discussion we've had, we've had a lot when we've talked about the Panthers in recent years, was they always had the top-end talent. We've known that forever. But the bottom of the roster was so bad that it dragged them down, and that's why they were always mediocre. And then you saw this year when you brought in Verhagis, Duclairs, and Wenbergs and players like that, even though you wouldn't call them great NHL players, they were good enough so that the top players could thrive, and the Panthers went from mediocre to fourth most points in the league. Connor McDavid and the Oilers have this same issue, where you have this extremely high-level, amazing McDavid and Dreisaitl, but the bottom of the roster is just not good enough, and they need to find other guys. They need to find their Wenbergs, Verhages, and Duclairs in order to get that team to be where it uh, should be. I think they need to find their Barkov, Kopitar, their And this Ekblad, goes to your point their... you have about, um, about Connor McDavid. Uh, and, and, I, and I think when I talk about blaming, in air quotes, like I've seen Panthers fans talk about how Barkov should play better, and like the answer is yes, but he's clearly hurt, so whatever is ailing him is a, is a problem. And I can't really blame McDavid in air quotes. It's how they're similar is that you want the stars to always be at their best, but that there's a point where they can't do any more than they've already done because you need the other guys to help you out. And well, your he, point about, and your point about McDavid was you just want them to get a defensive center. That's really, really good. So that they can just get McDavid to do the offensive stuff. I mean, they have Nugent Hopkins. Who's not really a center Dries, I mean, Dreisaitl is not really a center. McDavid is not really a center. Uh, you know, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins does a lot of the does a lot of you know things more to what I'm talking about, defensive game management. And you know, the thing with McDavid is he's just go go go, score score score, and that's great. He's the best at that. That's something that can be useful, obviously, for a team. But at the end of the day, they're treating him like a player like Barkov who can, who does a little bit of everything and does everything really well. And he's not that player. And so when you're treating him and when you're trying to ride him as that player and make him do all of that stuff, you're not going to get the results because then you don't have, you're not getting those players in your lineup to, to be there you know, you're getting lesser versions of them, uh, like you see, because, oh, we have McDavid, we have Dreisaitl, and those players are going to do all the stuff we need them to do. Uh, but, I mean, everyone's kind of by now accepted the fact that Dreisaitl is not really good at defense. He's not really a center, blah, blah, blah. But they're the that's because he's European. And even though he played in the WHL and he's on a Canadian team, he's still – you know, they, they're not going to excuse his flaws like they will McDavid. And McDavid doesn't need to play defense. I agree. They don't need to change his game. But they need to just understand that, okay, let's go get a Kopitar. Let's get a Bergeron. Let's get that le- type of player so we can go win a cup with McDavid. 
and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, like, there's nothing wrong. Like I, I'm like I always say, like he's a. There's nothing wrong with being Patrick Kane. There's nothing wrong with being the best offensive player in the world that doesn't play defense. It's fine. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Or doesn't know how to manage a, a game really yet. I mean, sometimes it's not best to just sprint up the ice with the puck and leave all your teammates behind. And sometimes it's not best, you know, when you have a lead or when you're, you know, being able to work within a team off a cycle is sometimes better than just having McDavid skate around the zone with the puck. It's a lot easier to defend that. I mean, there are some issues with McDavid trying to do everything on his own that it, that it's not McDavid's fault for. It's just whoever it would be. You know, think about Lemieux when he won his cup. Yager, Ron Francis, Mark Recchi. I mean, come on. Like, I mean, you look at... No, you're, you're 100% right. Like, Recchi wasn't the center that went and did everything. Like, they, that was Messier. That, you know, like, they had guys that were their job was to be good at everything was to well, score look at, well, look at tampa assist, well, look at was, tampa i mean as an example like you have amazing players like Braden point can do everything but they have anthony sorelli to do defensive dog work and yanni gord who can do defensive dog work and things like that right like yeah. good teams find a way and even with the penguins like i mean they had crosby and Malta, but they had guys who did their matchup stuff you know and and I'm just and like to me, it's that's the failure of the Oilers is just not having those guys, and yeah. you need them, you you do. And I'm not saying you shouldn't play, you know, the way that they've played in in large regard, but they need those guys so they can let Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl do the things that they do. And it's kind of lineup protection, you know what I mean? It's like you put a guy lower in the batting order to protect somebody higher up. You know, you can do that, and it's not going to kill you. And I hope that the Oilers figure out a way to do that. I don't know how they're going to. I mean, they got to figure it out because, like, it's it's just to get swept by that Jets team. The way they got swept is obviously really bad. So they they're, need to figure that out. They're where the Panthers would be if the Panthers weren't able to flip around their roster and everything. And they – whether they win or lose, they should be able to generate some positive energy out of this playoff series where, obviously, the Oilers... Oh, the Oilers have none. And the Panthers, even if they lose, I'm not going to go in thinking, wow, this is not really good. They're going to be in some trouble. It's like, oh, this team was already didn't have its best defenseman, and I already thought coming into the season, there's reasons to be optimistic. I didn't think they'd be this good. But I go into the future, I think... They're not too far away from being a fully-fledged version of what they can be. The Oilers are a lot further away than that, and they shouldn't be. And that's on, obviously, the GM before Ken Holland. It's on Ken Holland. It's on Dave Tippett. It's, it's on all of them. And, yeah. and they're Taylor the Holland. The scrutiny that they get. They're Taylor Holler and Connor McDavid again. They're, you know, like they're, it's, it's the same old thing. They're trying to turn him into something he isn't. They're trying to And that's why that Iserman, the Iserman discussion, when Iserman was what – it's stupid. Stop it. That's not how you're going to make the Oilers it, better. It, you're going to make the Oilers better by maximizing McDavid and minimizing what but, he's bad at. But the, the one thing about the I the one I really like that story because to me the takeaway wasn't that Eisenman needed to play defense. The takeaway was that Eisenman needed to understand everything it took to win all the different components and really understand it so he could be the leader and he could do his offensive thing inside of that scope and facilitate the other good players and make them better and make them do those roles too and that's what they need mcdavid to do it's not about you know is mcdavid getting you know dry soul getting everybody on board and and doing a lot of things because he is the guy and you know you're gonna have to learn how to do this stuff you're gonna you know even if you're still the offensive guy when it comes to game time you're the guy that has to be hard defensive in practice working on all that stuff in practice you have to be you know making sure that when you sit because we need that defensive center out there when the draw and things like that you're up on the bench pumping guys up. And I'm sure McDavid can do that and does that and things like that. But, you know, 
that that's kind of the Eisenman talk because Eisenman was mainly about himself. At, and I don't want you know. Obviously, this is retrospect and everything, but you know, as the story goes, Eisenman, it was I put up my points. I can go home at the end of the night. And so the thing was, Scotty Bowman was telling him, that's not how we win. If you know, some guys have to do more than their job, and you're that guy. You have to do and I other. Think that's you know, again, good team. Nathan McKinnon is very much like that, right? I mean, you see yeah, that with. 100%. With Sasha Barkov is like that again to a lesser extent, but I mean, like that's what happens in these teams, and I hope it happens for McDavid. I mean, we're going to hear all the McDavid trade stuff, and I mean, it's probably not going to happen, obviously. But you know, that's but I wouldn't. If I was McDavid, I would think about trades too. Well, I definitely would because I'd like to have better players on my team. Um, I know who runs their team: Bob Nicholson and all that stuff, and Lowe, and you know, it's uh, not done. It's not going to get done. Sadly, um, he, others, he gave others... them enough time. He he, 100% gave them enough time. It was a stupid lottery win that got Edmonton his rights, and he he gave them more than enough time. And he should 100% ask out. I mean, it's it's. I mean, McDavid and Eichel in the trade market. Mm-hmm. Same anyway. Um, oh yeah. Just to cover, just to cover a couple other things in the playoffs, I want to mention because we're already going way too long. But that's fine. We didn't do a podcast for Game Four. We can do it now. Um, Capitals we have to play weekends for us to podcast Florida. Yes. Capitals mess. Blues mess. Both of them were terrible in these series. Should have been eliminated. Um, intriguing to see that. I saw somebody mention that Nashville plays a better version of playoff hockey than the Panthers did, and I'm like. Well, UC Soros has gone on a 2010 Halak level bender to just keep this broken Nashville roster in this series, winning multiple overtime he's, games. I mean, credit. He's to a helpful. He's really, I, really good. I've loved him since his prospect days. And then obviously when Nashville drafted him, I was like, oh, yeah, he is going to be good. Um, and he, I mean, he's the only reason they're in this series. I mean, Carolina hasn't had Slavin and it's hurt. But, I mean, Carolina is infinitely better than Nashville, and we know this, but sometimes you get a goal, it gets hot, and that's all you need. And yeah, Carolina su- Carolina does suffer a little bit of the – it's called the killer instinct, but I don't know if that's the apt name for it. I think uh, some of it is the, is the Bill Peters syndrome. Little, they're just a little pensive. There's, there's the Bill Peters syndrome, which is the we're going to dominate you in the core season, the expected goals and all that, and yet our goalie is going to give up a le- not a great goal – you're going to give it up and you're going to get it in your own head. Like, that's kind of what's happened in Florida, and it definitely happened in Carolina. I think there's still some of that in that team. But I, th- I think they're going to win the series. It's just that, you know, I hated we'll, that comment. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I told you it was going to be a lot closer. I, you I ended told- up being, I mean, congrats to Nashville for winning two one puck games in overtime, and, and good for but them. That's what, that's what playoffs is. I mean, there's a lot of people who complain about playoff hockey and, like, like oh, the, the – you know it's too rough and all these penalties and it's all just two one games and bad luck in overtime but like that's what it's always been people just don't like it when it messes with the narratives they were wanting like mcdavid and matthews in the playoffs or you know those types of things but when you when you want that excitement when you want that hatred when you want those rivalries and and those epic you know, moments of despair on one side and happiness on the other, you know, just pure joy, that's how you get it. And so it's like, do you want it or do you not want it? Uh, I think it's great. And, uh, you know, the only thing I constantly will keep saying is they just need to clean up some of the stuff on the edges and knock off with uh, the overall commitment to making sure power play numbers are even and coincidentals are way too way too happy okay so and the other things i want to mention uh, briefly um god you want to see a goalie lose games for a team that's really dominating that's tristan jari yikes uh game game one he threw in the garbage and game five he threw in the garbage pittsburgh's a much better team than the islanders is was there a, a goalie they should have kept Ooh, i don't know Wonder. And, and uh, all I'm going to say about that is one thing, reason to not force a Bobrovsky thing in the offseason, you know, like where you overpay for someone to take them in expansion draft or, 
you know, you burn that bridge with Bobrovsky in the offseason trying to get him to go to the KHL or what have you. Um, you know, is Marc-Andre Fleury. He's been basically as bad as Bobrovsky's been with the Penguins and with the Knights at times. Uh, and he's been able to find his way back. And now, I will say, having had a Minnesota win last night, it's crazy they won, but anyway. Well, um, Minnesota has a great team. Fiala's really good. I know people panned that trade when it happened. Um, and But that was, you know, Fiala's a really good, they have a lot of good players. And kind of like Florida right now, their energy and their energy all season has been very positive, very receptive. Um, and it, you can tell that even guys that are sitting out are having fun playing hockey. So the, I, I think, I think Minnesota is the best Florida analog in the Western Conference. And weirdly uh, enough. Because it's both like, what the hell is that logo? Uh, well, and some of it is also like, you know, you can also kind of, I think the Panthers are a better team overall, but you can kind of feel mm-hmm. that atmosphere. You know, Dean Evison's a very good coach, you know, things of this nature. Okay. I mean, Kaprizov. Kaprizov's definitely helped. Um, is anybody beating the Avs? I mean, I know the Blues suck, I but, I mean, is anybody beating the Avs? Uh, Vegas is going to be a good battle. I wish that was, you know, round three. Um, but I guess oh, they are so good. I mean, yeah. I, I have mean, yet to see a team. I mean, we've seen good teams in the playoffs before, but I have yet to see a team that literally toyed with somebody like the Avs toyed with the Blues. It's It will come down to, like, it can't come down the last – two seasons goldie health and can they not you know panic when they get down in a series yeah uh because well i guess they've already you know got the cadre suspension out so well, yeah, he fully earned that he definitely earned it yeah Terrible. I, can't, I i hope he wins his appeal though based on what they haven't suspended since then and, and some of their other stuff he should win an appeal easily because eight games for what he got versus you know a lot of things getting nothing and all that stuff is is also a joke. I, I it's fair enough. And the other team that I mean I wanted to mention briefly is uh yeah I don't want to play Boston right now because they're gonna go in and be the quote unquote probably fourth seed you know when we get to the because I think they're gonna beat the Islanders or the Penguins no matter what. Um, and like if you have to like let's say you're Colorado and you win and the least amount of points that you could face is Boston. That's uh, I mean, that's a st- actual Stanley Cup final that could be played in the semifinals. The and the real question is, how good is that defense in Boston, or is it only Charlie McAvoy? I've liked some of their guy. I think Grizz looks yeah. good. I think Mike Riley. Yeah, I think Grizz. Yeah, but like, can, they can be exposed and everything, and you know, definitely by a team like Colorado, you know, and or Vegas, they they would be exposed. So you know how. How how does all that D do? Um, yeah, it's all a good point. How, how does all that D do? Yeah. Uh, yep. well, anyway. uh, yep. And on that note, uh, we will see you after game six. <laughs> <laughs>